The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Yes, that's one. Number two, which actually plays into the questions part really well, is called the question drum. So to your point, Mitch, a lot of us are reactive when we get asked questions all the time at work, at school, on a podcast. Uh, But most of us are reactive, not proactive. So I'll give an example with me a few years ago when I started guesting. I remember some guy asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him and I was like, dude, I don't know, man. Los Angeles, New York City. Yeah. The Greek empire. (laughs) Yeah, the Greek empire. So so what did I do to fix this? Obviously, I didn't know the answer. So every day for five minutes, I just answered one question about communication until I had an answer for everything. So for podcasts, you're right. It's important to be authentic and stuff. But for like a a sales prospect call, when you're in a big business meeting and you get asked a question, you got to make sure most of the time you need to have the answer to the question so that you have some credibility and the question drill helps you alleviate that anxiety. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, my name is Brendan Kumar Sami. I'm the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel and a coaching practice that I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. I coach ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industries. Okay, so my guest today, uh, Brendan uh, Kumar Sami, right? You got it. Good. Okay. <laughs> is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also 
has a popular YouTube channel, probably more popular than my channel, called Master Talk, with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Brendan, thank you for coming on the show. I think, uh, how do we connect? Was it through Podmatch or through a booker? Podmatch, right? Probably Podmatch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, so, and I told you that I've had people with on-camera things and different stuff for entrepreneurs, but I think in today's digital world, we were talking about this off-camera, um, you know, being uh, your ability to, to speak goes a long way. That's why I like pre-interview the guests, you know, just in case they're, they're not going to make for, you know, have uh, on the mic and sound too good. So uh, I'll let you take it away, but, you know, go a little bit back in your background, how you get started and what led up to kind of what you're doing now. For sure, Mitch. And, and unlike many of your guests, I'm a great definition of what an accidental entrepreneur looks like because I literally... Right. I know everyone says that, but hey, I'm one of the pack. I never really wanted to be one, like at all. Like I'm yeah. the only entrepreneur in my family currently. So it was never something that we, we saw as a path to success growing up. Like, You're like a black sheep. What? You're the black sheep of the family. Yeah, or the brown sheep, I guess, in my case. Yeah, right. look at it. <laughs> so for me, for me, the goal, Mitch, funny enough, was to be an accountant. I wanted to be a CPA. So I went to business school. To be an accountant, which is literally the opposite of what I do today. Yeah, it's like not even fun. It's like, yeah, it's not even close. Yeah, all accountants I know out there, but you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, so I'm studying to, to do my, my, my accounting degree, and which I graduated in, but I competed in case competitions while I was in school, Mitch. Think of case competitions like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were like playing rugby or baseball or basketball or something. I wasn't really one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. and that, Like debate, that type of thing? Sort of. So it's sort of like debate. So debate is where you have two topics at opposing right. ends. Point, counterpoint, you got to win. Yeah. Right. But in my case, it was more business executives from like Amazon or IBM or Deloitte. They spend a lot of money to sponsor these competitions. They give them case-specific, company-specific problems. So IBM's looking to jump into uh, AI. How do they do it? So they give you a bunch of problems. And then as 20-year-olds, we solve those problems in a presentation. But the goal, obviously, is not to perfectly solve something in three hours. It's more for the executives to see who's sharp so that they can give them job opportunities before the other companies pick them up. But was it a competition about speaking or was it a competition about problem solving? Like Both. Both. So the answer is Gosh. both. So okay. I love I love that you're asking me because most people don't care what a case competition is. So I'm glad you're mentioning it. So, I uh... So, so the top five teams, because the people who do this, think of it like this. I was a part of the world's largest case competition program, which is really bizarre. It was just in Montreal. We're happy to live. Yeah, and until I met you, I've heard of a lot of stuff, science of the mind, the Olympics of the this and that, never heard of case competition. Right. So, so there's 8,000 students in my business faculty, when, okay. and there's only 79 people who participate in case competition. So it's only 1% of the faculty. So most, most are – go ahead. Okay, you got to get chosen? You got it. So you have to try out like a sports team to be a part of it. So most most of my friends, you know, they, they're not entrepreneurs. They went to work for Goldman Sachs. They went to investment banking. They became management consultants, which was also my right. goal, by the way. Like my, my dream was to work at McKinsey. Wasn't so, so I'm literally the opposite of what an, you would think an entrepreneur does. So I, I do these case competitions, Mitch. I get really good at them. And then as I got older, I started coaching the other students, not for money. I didn't know coaching was a profession. So I was just coaching them for free and I didn't know how to coach. I was just kind of making it up as I went. Helping people. That's all it was. Yeah, literally. Yeah. 
Right. And then I just got really good. I, I got decent at it. And in my last semester of college, somebody gave me the idea for Master Talk because there isn't information available for free online on communication, which I found out later. So I just started making videos for fun while I was working as a management consultant at IBM. I was in the technology division there, consulting for clients in the Fortune 500. So I wasn't looking to be an entrepreneur. But the YouTube right. channel blew up, and uh, I realized there was a like a video blog is the way it basically started, right? Yeah, literally in my mom's basement. I just took out a phone. I just started making videos. Right. No green screen or anything in the background. No, literally, the, my first videos are still up there. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, how many? Do you know how many videos you got posted now? Like how many thousands of videos you made? Uh, I mean, total what we've created across all socials is probably in the thousands. But for YouTube, we're probably at video two hundred fifty now, two hundred sixty. So where are the other ones? The other ones are on social, like uh, the other socials, like Instagram we post every day, TikTok we post every day, LinkedIn we post every day. Yeah. Got okay, yeah. And it's like uh you oh you're doing TikTok too? Yeah, we do TikTok, Instagram, yeah. LinkedIn, and YouTube. Right. Yeah. 15, 20 seconds or else somebody's gonna swipe past you if you too. Yeah, I was trying to figure that algorithm out. Whether it should apply to me, you know, like should I be on TikTok? I'm a lawyer, you know, what I don't know. Why not? All right. So um, it's a good story, though, because it wasn't like you were like, oh, I'm going to be a public speaker. And I went this and that. And I went to public speaking school. Um, I always tell people if they're not good speakers, find like a Toastmasters or, you know, something in your area so you can get out of your comfort zone and look like an idiot without messing up in front of people that where it matters and get better at it. Because a lot of people you speak to, and I'm sure you see this also. Um, uh, uh, I, and then I, um, I was one and, and they're talking to people that they know when they're talking like that. So getting comfortable on mic or on camera or both, I guess is something that kind of came like naturally to you. Right. I mean, it, was it weird? Like, were you like, well, why, why is this easy for me? And other people are, get all flustered when they speak. Did you ever like ask yourself that? Like, why I'm always curious about you know, why it just fits with some people and other and not other people. For sure, Mitch. So for me, it was interesting where I actually thought I sucked at it most of my life. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I grew up in Montreal. For those who don't know, in Canada, Montreal is a city where you need to know how to speak French, which is a language, okay. right? And it's a language I did not know. So okay. my parents sent me to French school, so I'd learn it, which means I had to present my whole life in a language I didn't know. <laughs> right. So for yeah. So I never thought I would be that great. The second thing you probably don't know about me is I have a physical disability in my left arm. It's crooked. It's just you can't really tell on my social media. Did you that way or did you have an accident or Yeah, it was like a, it was like a birth accident. I was born upside down. They pulled me out of vacuum. My my left shoulder kind of dislocated in that process. Oh, so you weren't really born that way. It happened during birth. That's and correct. Something you've had to deal with all your life. That's correct. So, okay. so dur- growing up, I never thought I was a great speaker because everyone wouldn't look at me when I was speaking. They would always look at my arm. So it always gave me a lot of anxiety. And I became an accountant, dude. Like I wasn't looking to be a speaking. No, that's like uh, staying in your cubicle with uh, glasses on and a little Band-Aid in the middle of your – Literally. You know, for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, so I, I never thought I was a great speaker. It was case competitions that made me realize I was actually pretty talented at this and that I could yeah. help other people because most of my skill set is earned. I didn't just was born with it. That's why I'm a big believer that anyone can be a great communicator. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Even participating in those kind of stuff, if you're not even at your level, right? You're not the best in the group. You're still going to increase your skills by tenfold just from getting out there and participating. A lot of people are afraid to even give it a try. I mean, just the experience of learning and getting better at it 
like you said, it's all learned skill. Nobody's born a public speaker. We can't even talk when we're born. We got to learn language. So Exactly, Mitch. That's why for me, it's always relative to industry, right? So let's say we take accountants. So if you're the accountant who's actually practicing your communication, yeah, you might not be Tony Robbins, but in to the, to the accounting world, you are Tony oh. Robbins because you're just yeah, 10 right. times better than the average accountant right. at communication. Yeah, it's relative, right? Yeah. Okay. So – how long – at what point did this start to be – you were like, oh, my God, this is a business and I don't have to like work and do my other job anymore. When did that happen? Right. So it actually took two and a half years before I went full-time on Master Talk, But it took nine months from the inception of the channel that I realized it was a business, not just a, a stupid thing in my basement uh, making videos. So what happened was in September of 2019, nine months into okay. Master Talk, Mitch – I went okay. to Summit of Greatness, which is an event that Lewis Howes, the host of the School of Greatness podcast, hosts. I okay. went to his event because I wanted to meet him. I'm a fan of his show. So I went to Columbus, Ohio, of all places. I lived in Columbus, Ohio oh, for two years. <laughs> That's amazing. I did. Yeah. It's actually a really it's nice small. city. It's actually, it is a very nice city, yeah. Actually, you wouldn't even know, right? Yeah. Middle, Midwest. You know, when yeah. I flew in the first time. Toronto, right? It's a short flight. Yeah, it's a short flight. I, I'm in Montreal, so it's like a two-way flight, unfortunately. To Ohio, but but still, like worth it. I thought I was going to land into a farm, honestly. And I went up and I was like, oh, this looks like yeah, a city. They have a real airport and everything, yeah. yeah. yeah that's great. <laughs> so I get to Columbus and I meet my business partner there, Mitch, who's 20 years older than me. Okay. And his name's Vomsi. He's the CEO of Make More Leaders. He's a leadership coach. Okay. And he looked at me and he was like, you know, you could charge thousands of dollars to executives for coaching, right? And I looked at him and I said, come on, dude, I'm 23 years old. Who's going to pay me? Yeah, he wasn't your business partner then. No, no, no. Oh, right. Okay. That's what I got. So I met him at that event. And uh, then a day after, I got my first client. So at that event, one of my one of the guys I was kind of – because I coach all the time. Coaching is just a hobby right. of mine. Even when I meet okay. somebody – like if you meet me at a party, I would start coaching you. Like that's Because yeah, you, you enjoy sharing and helping yeah. and whatever. I understand. But how did you get your first – you said, oh, in a day I got my first client because he gave you the confidence to ask? No, not even. He actually sold me on him, me coaching him. So what happened was after those three days were over, when, but he went back to Seattle. He left Amazon to start a real estate company that he's done very well since. But at the time, he was really nervous about. And then he called me one day and he was like, hey, Brent, I just want you to coach me. I, I love the advice you gave me. This is great. And I was like, sure, man, let's start on Monday. And he's like, how much do you charge? And I was like, what do you mean? I, I don't. You don't need to give me money. And he was like, no, no, I should give you money. And I fought back. I was like, no, I don't. What? Why should what? He's like twice your age. No, no, not my first no. client. My first client was 28, but my average uh, client today is double my age. Yes. I ran you to do that. This was another guy that you met. Okay, I lost that. Yeah, Sorry. You're all okay. good. You're all good. It's, it's, a, it's a complex story. 28, you're 23. All right, that's not that much of a stretch. But yeah. he was like, oh, what's your fee? You're yeah. like, my fee is, I don't know what, it's, it's free. There's, it's free, literally. And and he said, no, 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 I really want to pay you for your time. He actually was selling me on me pay, on me getting paid. And I looked at him, and I was like, what do you mean? I just listened to 700 episodes of Lewis's podcast. That's why I know everything about personal development. And he was like, yeah, that's why I'm paying you, because I don't want to spend 700 hours watching <laughs> exactly. all that. I'd rather just book you for seven hours so I, you can save me that time, and I'll give you money right. for that. And I was like yeah. – okay, uh, is $100 an hour okay? And he's like, yeah, I'll book seven sessions. And he wired me $700. That was my first client. And that was like, you were like, $700 an hour, that's ridiculous. I mean, $100 an hour, you're like, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. What did you came 
like pie in the sky, you figured, ah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was nuts. I was freaking out, honestly, because especially when you're Canadian, that's US dollars, right? So for me, that was like a grand. So I was like, yeah. oh, I just got paid a grand for giving people right. advice. Yeah, right. Because the Canadian dollar was weak then, right? Against It's still weak. It's a little bit stronger now. It's still got weaker. It's like 0. I, 076. I was up there in Montreal for, I don't know, my cousin's bachelor party, bachelor party, something like that. And I get there and I'd been to Canada before and I go and I, I give him money to change to Canadian. Let's say it was $10. He gives me $8.65 back. I looked at him like, what what is this? And the Canadian dollar was strong at the time. And I was like, oh, we're getting ripped off now. So everything's relative. But um, that's interesting. Okay, so then – you were like, maybe I could do this. I mean, you were already coaching. It wasn't like you had to develop coaching styles or, or programs, right? You were already doing it. So so there was some part of the program that I had to develop later with Vomsi, but you're right in for most part, Mitch. I already was I was already really strong at delivery because I had coached so many people on how to speak. That's why I can make right. YouTube videos on it. But what I didn't know was the sales and marketing. I just didn't know people paid for it. Because I never hired a coach. Now I have a now I spend an arm and a leg on my coaches. Right, of course. Because you believe in all the good coaches have coaches. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I can afford it now also. But but back yeah. then I didn't really I didn't really understand it. I just thought everyone was just coaching each other for free. <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah. So so what happened is I just got really lucky in some ways, Mitch, and and skill set was others. Vomsi just was the best. Like he he coached me for free. He just bet on me. And today I pay him a, a pretty healthy retainer, but at, at the beginning, because he's my partner too. But yeah, at right. the beginning, it was really, hey, I'll just serve you. And he just taught me a lot of things about the industry that I didn't know that most people would charge you t- tens of thousands of dollars for. And he, and one of it was just like, hey, I'll just introduce you to my ecosystem. You just work with any of my clients. And I just went, uh, okay. So we literally built the program together. We start, his strategy was, let's start by working with my clients as kids. He had like a 20 or 25 clients already. Okay. So I started working with all their kids. We charged them like 500 bucks per person or something. And obviously, since I'm good at delivery, they all got crazy results. There was like five-year-old kids who were speaking like super well. Like, yeah, ridiculous. And the parents were like, okay, this kid's good. Like, I want to do work with them. And then Vomsi was like, yeah, and that'll be $3,000 per person. I was like, <laughs> of course. I was like, what? You didn't even blink, right? Yeah. Now now I don't even blink. Like, if someone no, I didn't blink. The parents were like, okay. Oh yeah, they didn't even blink. They're like, yeah, whatever, three thousand. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm a big believer that you don't really like luck. I mean, luck is is important, but I think a lot of it has to do with involvement and timing and being in the right place at the right time. Like you were out there, you went to hit this thing in 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 Ohio for a reason because you wanted to learn and you were thirsty for this or that. And then things happen. Like if you if you play in traffic, you'll get hit. Like that's. That's where you got to be. But if you're standing on the sidelines in a, in a window watching the traffic go by and nothing going to happen, right? So I, I'm a big believer. Like you make your own luck. I don't, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of the way I – I agree. I, I just it. think the analogy is a little bit weird where it's like, well, I don't want to get into a car accident. But yeah, I see the point that you're trying to – Car accident though, that's where you go, right? Let, let me give you a better analogy. Uh, so, sorry, to, sorry to disagree a little bit. No, uh, I've been using that analogy forever, so give me a better. Yeah, so like so the that. president of Microsoft, I forgot what his name was. He appeared in um, Alex Benayan's The Third Door, the book called The Third Door. He said luck is like a bus that keeps coming. But if you don't have the fear to get on the bus, you can never get on the bus. And a I lot of people, the bus keeps coming, but they never get on it. They don't see it or they don't have enough money in their pocket to board it. Whereas the people who create their own luck, they see the bus coming. They have the money in their pocket to get on the bus and they make it happen. 
So that's yeah. that's the analogy I that's use. Better, that's a better story. Yeah, just don't get hit in traffic, guys. Stay, people stay get hit safe. by cars. Brains, yeah, yeah not, <laughs> not good. Okay, so when you were starting your business, like I, I understand, I'm sure you're going to say no, but um, you didn't like sit down and write a business plan. You were 20 years old and you're like coaching people. Did you start like developing like modules as you were talking to people? Did you have like an agenda? Like, or did you just like, let's get on the phone and I'll tell you what to do. Yeah, uh, definitely. So the first 40, 50 clients, which were unpaid, it was me and a bunch of students, right? So I started winning case competitions, you know, MVP, this first place, this second place, this, whatever. And then the following year, I just, I became one of the executives because it's a student run program. And I just looked at our the people we had chosen because I became a part of the interview process where I chose with a group of people who got in uh, and who I didn't. Right. And then I looked at the at, at my team and I said, "Okay, guys, like we just brought in eighty really really smart people, but twenty of them can't speak for their life. They're going to get crushed at these competitions. Yeah. And we don't have a communication coach. And I'm not a coach, but I said, let me just volunteer my time and just figure this out with them. So I would try a bunch of things on them, and what didn't work, they were honest about it because they were just like, this doesn't yeah. work. So I, so think of me like a mad scientist. I just tried a for bunch you. of things. Yeah. 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 It was like an incubator for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then later, that's why my, my, I think that's why I've been able to stand out in the industry because I was so naive at the beginning that I wasn't following any rules. So I created my own recipes. So when it came time to start Master Talk, the, the spark was two things. One, I'd listened to all the communication experts on Lewis's podcast and I just felt I could do better. I was like, none of that makes sense. And then the other piece, because a lot of them are academics, they don't actually coach as a business. Right. And then I just started listening to uh, the other people who are not my friends, so I'm not going to hit on them too much here. But at the beginning, when I was a little bit more ego t- ego driven, I just watched them and I was like, "This is all wrong." Like, what do you know, PhD in communication? That's not how you got results for people. So that's what gave me the chutzpah to start it. Interesting, but you're still doing a lot of the print. Like the the most successful people that I know who are entrepreneurs, right? They test and test and test they test their clients they test what they what they're using they test their products test their market and you you were kind of doing that anyway oh yeah i'm like the i'm sure out of your show i can pretty much guarantee i might not be the only accidental one but i'm definitely the most risk averse one because i waited until the business was actually working at a very high level like i'd i'd wait until i'd replaced at least 40 to 50 percent of my income and then i jumped ship and i had all my systems dialed in and i replaced the whole the whole income in like 90 days yeah well there's nothing wrong with that i mean a lot of people jump too soon they they like they're all in and they they believe well we got to be all in in order in order to be successful we had to be all and then distress and the lack of money and resources and uh, they don't they don't make it correct and i still almost didn't make it right but for me not making it doesn't mean like uh i'm bankrupt and i'm elon musk and i've lost hundreds of millions of dollars go back and get a job just go back to the job right the risk was you'd have to go back and get a job (laughs) yeah it wasn't a big risk right it wasn't really that that risk probably felt like it was right it felt like it was so that was at what age it was 2019 six months later by the way the pandemic and the whole world shut down but you could still work with people. Even yeah, I had nobody to talk to. So I quit corporate in June of 21. So I was still employed at IBM as a consultant in Feb of of 2020 when the pandemic hit. So what happened was, we worked with so all my coaching's online. So I never have to meet people in yeah. person. So the oh. okay. yeah, the pandemic unless they write me like a really big check, which usually right. scares them off. So they just do the and the then other. fly in on your private jet. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, you're like, listen, I'll come. Just send me first class. Yeah, right? sure. Something like that. Yeah. But anyways. That's not, 
no. You know, we're but, using Zoom at that time. I didn't know what Zoom was, by the way, till the pandemic. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who unfortunately passed away, Jack Killian, who's mentor, advisor, you know, a big networking guy. And he was a McKinsey guy, actually. And he he um, would um, coach just like you did people on networking, like executives and stuff and companies that would hire him. And he was telling me about the Zoom thing where these people around the, the screen and, and everything. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, why, why would we? Why'd you do that? He goes, see them. And then Zoom hit. So you were, were you using Zoom? Was it a thing? Was it a product in before the pandemic? Definitely. But it wasn't like, so we had started doing Zoom calls. But remember, the reason I knew all of this was because Vomsi was teaching me all the mistakes he made, right? So he was already doing a business. So he, so he didn't just go figure it out. He was like, this is how we run the program. We'll split it 50-50. So he really saw me as his business partner, which is really bizarre. I don't know why he did that. Like it worked out for him in the end. Yeah, I saw something in you. Yeah. He's a coach too, right? I mean, that was his business, right? Yes. So we we have a unique relationship where one, he's 20 years older than me, B is my 50 okay. 50 partner, and C is also a coach that I pay money to. And the fee for him is I give him half of my business. Right. So that's really the key, okay. the idea. And it's worked out so well. I'm super grateful. So I so I skipped all the mistakes and I could quit. And I and I did so well in my first year of business because of him. But anyways, that's another thing. But the point is, you're right. So we had a Zoom product. Basically, what he pushed me to do was group coaching because before that, I was just doing one on one. I was burning out. And he was like, just just do a group. Just put ten of them in it. And he gave me my first ten. After that first guy that we that I had as a client, so we gotcha. put everybody in a group, and I didn't know how to do group coaching. That's the first time I did groups. So, so to your point, there wasn't really a module and agenda. I was kind of figuring out as I went, like with the kids, them all the group, and now that product that's called Communication Accelerator is like way better than at the beginning because I'm doing like my tenth or eleventh group now. Yeah, I would hope that. It, now, what kind of coaching did Vomsi do? You were doing communications and how to speak better and write and all those types of stuff, present yourself. What was he doing? So in that specific ecosystem, he was letting me take the lead 80 to 90% of the time. I think I think he just liked being on the calls for energy. He, I guess he likes being around young people because it brings his energy up. But most of his feedback was to me, not to the group. So he would, and also it's his clients, right? So he wants, he wants, because he still doesn't know me that well yet. He wants to make what sure were I'm- What they clients of? What were- of leadership. So he has a program called Beyond Mastermind that I'm a client of. It. And it's okay. like you 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 try and achieve the impossible basically. He pulls you to think bigger about your life. Like I'll give you an example of what that means. So I'm having I'm having breakfast with them in our first month of being uh, of me being coached by him. And he just asked okay. me like what's your 20 year vision? And I was telling him, "Oh, I'm going to quit my job eventually when I'm like 28, 29 years old. I'm probably going to start a business. I want to solve the water crisis. All this is going to happen in the next 20 years." And they just looked at me drank his tea and said, how do you do this in six months? Like, how are we quitting the job? And I was like, I'm not quitting the job. I'm making six figures, dude. Why am I quitting right. the job? And yeah, man, I, I quit the job in 18 months. It was wild. And I'm still, I still can't believe it, honestly. <laughs> right. No, but he, I think sometimes people shift your paradigm. Like, you don't think it's possible. And then he says, we can do it in six months. So 18 months, not so bad, right? You were going to do it in years. Years. Like many years. years. <laughs> yeah, but time is, you know, time has a... What's the word? I mean, you can't make up for time. Like you, you give up five years of doing this stuff. So he was doing leadership and you're doing all this communication, basically how to communicate better, how to speak better, how to present yourself, all that type of stuff. So w what is it now? I mean, is it like a 10 module training thing or is it set or is it all coaching custom one-on-one? -on -one? Right. So now it's a mix of both. 
Mitch, okay. so now the program has evolved to like a 12-week group coaching model where we train okay. executives and CEOs. Basically what happened after kind of like the first two or three groups, when his word of mouth started running out because he had no clients to give me anymore, that it actually was good timing because I blew up on Clubhouse, which was like an app that was like relevant Did for like three months. No, no, it's kind of a dead platform now. But for It was the- like nuts. Oh yeah, it was nuts. So so I I hit a tailwind. I went from like zero to twenty thousand followers on Clubhouse really quick. I was like one of the most. I was in the thousandth most followed accounts on the platform. It's pretty wild. So yeah, so I signed like three or five. The celebrity. Yeah, sort of. (laughs) Not anymore. It's not relevant. (laughs) Nobody cares about Clubhouse anymore. So so I got three to five clients through there. And that and that beca- because I'm I'm so good at delivery. For me, even the today, my problem is sales and marketing. It's not uh, it's not delivery. So then when we delivered for them, they just started telling their friends about me, and then I started filling up the groups myself through sales and marketing. I was like, I can do this too. And Vomsi's like, I know you could. So it's time for you. When are you quitting the job? So I quit in June of 2021. Almost went bankrupt, but we made it work. <laughs> it was right in the middle of the pandemic. Jeez, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. yeah. What well, was work? Uh, not that busy anyway because of the pandemic. Like jobs had slowed down, or you were still busy. No, we were really busy. You'd be really right. surprised. So, because because actually we became more busy, which actually be- became really good for me because more clients wanted tech implementations. Because now they, but the people who didn't want to switch to online, now they were forced to. So I was yeah. leading like three SAP implementations at once, like two or three. That's true. Right? So I, yeah, I hated my life the last six months. But I love the company. They're a client of mine. They're great. But yeah, it was a challenge. That's, that's, really, that's really funny. So um, I find it interesting that you have um, – that you, you the comment you made about sales and marketing. So – you feel that you're not good at sales and marketing, but that's usually 90% of that is communication, right? And your ability to present and things like that. So why do you say you're not, you're not good? You're not good at like finding the people or. Right. So, so let me be clear with what I mean. I'm not good. So I'm good enough to make money. Like obviously I have a successful funnel and the business does well now and I'm not squirming for leads, but it's yeah. more like what's my bottleneck to the, to the seven, the eight figure level now in the business. Cause what's nice about coaching is even if you do a few hundred thousand dollars a year, it's 90% margin, right? If you deliver all the work. Yeah. Right. You have very little overhead. Yeah. So the business does well, but it's more like what's stopping you from seven and it's not delivery. It's not that, Oh no, I have too many, like uh, too many requests and I can't handle this. It's more that, yeah, we're signing a lot of clients, but I want to sign hundreds of clients right in a given year instead of just like 50 to 100 or something. So that's right. the well, bottleneck you know, for so us. You raise your, what do they call that, your minimum check size and you, you get more comfortable with charging larger amounts of money and you get higher quality. I don't know if that's true about people, but higher quality clients who are looking for you know, who value your service and are willing to, you know, to pay for it. I, I'm not the most expensive attorney in my area, but I, I won't do things for, you know, uh, fees that I would do 15 years ago, uh, you know, because it just, I'll, I, I might as well spend my time looking for new clients that are, you know, willing to pay the fees that I, that I want to charge. And I think I'm worth after 30 years of practicing, but it took me a long time to become comfortable with that. I still have colleagues of mine who are even older than me and they're charging, you know, a couple hundred dollars less an hour than I charge. And I'm like, well, what? I mean, you're way under market. Yeah, but I feel bad, you know, charging my (laughs) clients extra money. I go, well, do you feel bad about not giving your kids Christmas presents or feeding them uh, at night or going on vacation? They're like, what do you mean? I go, well, you're just you're you're giving your clients a break. So you have less income for your family. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
And then they go out, they raise their fees, 25 bucks, whatever. Nobody blinks. And they're like, oh my God, I just increased my revenue by 10 or 15%. Oh, so, yeah. You know, so the question is just doing it, right? Correct. Okay. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break? I actually have commercials we're going to roll. And then it's like two minutes. And then when we come back, maybe we could talk about advice for people, maybe some stories of people that you've helped or th- trends. You don't want to embarrass anybody, but trends that you have seen that things that people do commonly that are like bad habits and stuff that you help them with. Can we do that? Absolutely, Mitch. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right. So we're back. Um, are you muted? Or are you on? Oh, okay. Um, all right. So why don't we get into like, I'd love to hear like stories, like think not just stories, but like things that you find that people regularly do wrong. It's just like, what are you doing? Those types of things. Honestly, there's so many things to count, Mitch, but I'll, I'll yeah. give, I'll give it. I get filled some air time. I want to hear all the good stuff. Yeah. I'll give you the most important one, consistency. So let's say you want to work out. You want to lose some weight okay. or something. Not in your yeah. case, but let's say somebody listening to this. Uh, hey, I'm uh, you know, I got a little beefcake. <laughs> so you go to I the gym. So I feel better. Right. You go to the gym and you go like, okay, what's my diet plan? How do I calorie count? What are some specific regimens? And the trainer just looks at you and goes, are you walking 15 minutes a day? And they go, no. Why is that relevant to any of this? So you get the idea. If you're not walking 15 minutes a day. Like why are you worrying about any of you're right. You're not even getting started. You're not even getting started. So what does that look like in communication? It's just a challenge is in fitness we know what to do. Walk more. Eat less bad things. Like just no more soft drinks, less coffee, less tea. Right. What does that look like in communication? So for me, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, Mitch. One of those okay. balls is like eye contact, body language, storytelling. So for me, the simple idea here is what are the three easiest balls to juggle in the air? That's it. 
So if you juggle those three, you'll be successful. Let's start with ball okay. one as an example. Ball one is the random word exercise. Pick a word like light bulb, like picture, like okay. chair, and create random presentations out of thin air. And this serves two purposes. One helps Just you exercise. You're saying correct as an exercise. Okay. Yeah. So you, when everybody listening, they may not catch with that. So this is exercise number one: pick a word and make a a random presentation. That's correct. Okay. And it serves two purposes. One, it helps you deal with uncertainty. So let's say you're in the corporate world. If you can talk about avocados for 30 seconds, it's really easy for you to deal with anything at work. Trust me. That's a good point. Right. Uh, and the second yeah. piece is the life Life itself is uncertain. Like when you meet somebody at a party, you don't know how that conversation is going to go. You're not going to go up to that person and say, hey, here are the questions I want to ask you today. Like, right. Doesn't make any sense. That's, yeah. And then the last part to the random word exercise is if you can make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So that's exercise one. Oh, that's very good. You know, it's really funny because I, obviously, you know, I didn't give you like a list of questions come on the podcast, but I, when I guessed on a lot of podcasts, people do that. They like send me questions. Editor, what question do you want me? I'm like, can we just like talk about stuff? And, you know, you ask me something that's interesting and I'll say, like I did before, wait, 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 what were you doing? You know, this and that, because it's so like, I, I've been on podcasts where they're, they're like taking the questions out. And I thought that was just like an example and I'm not even prepared. Like I didn't prepare anything because I thought it was going to be like a normal conversation and an interview. And uh, yeah, I think that that is definitely, and I, I guess maybe you'll tell me it's like a crutch, right? People are nervous. They're doing the interview. So they figure if I got all the questions, I had a friend of mine, he's become a good friend of mine. And he, he called me, I think it's like twice my age, he, or certainly older. And he would call me like every week as the podcast was getting closer. He'd send me those questions. What questions are we going to talk about? I'm really nervous. You got to, and I go, you know, just chill out. I promise you it's going to, and it did, you know, worked out great, but he was so nervous. He wanted to know the questions ahead of time, probably because in his business, I don't know, maybe he gets that and he's prepared for that. So it's funny that that's the first thing you mentioned. That's exactly okay, it. We're learning already. Yes. That's one. Yeah. Number right. two, which actually plays into the questions part really well, is called the question room. So to your okay. point, bitch, a lot of us are reactive when we get asked questions all the time at work, at school, on a podcast. Uh, but most of us are reactive, not proactive. So I'll give an example with me a few years ago when I started guesting. I remember some guy asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at him and I was like, dude, I don't know, man. Los Angeles, New York City, yeah. Miami. The Greek Empire? Yeah, the Greek Empire. So so what did I do to fix this? So obviously I didn't know the answer. So every day for five minutes, I just answered one question about communication until I had an answer for everything. So for podcasts, you're right. It's important to be authentic and stuff. But for like a, a sales prospect call, when you're in a big business meeting and you get asked a question, you got to make sure you, most of the time you need to have the answer to the question so that you have some yeah. credibility and the question yeah. drill helps you alleviate that anxiety. So like in your business, you should come up with whatever you do for a living, right? You should come up with like, keep asking yourself questions that other people you think are going to ask you and just keep answering them. Yes. And then the other layer to that, to make it easier for people, for my, for my social butterflies, it's just ask your audience, ask your clients, what are the main questions you want to ask me about my own field? That's what I did. I, I don't really come with these questions. My clients and my audience just gives me a, a huge batch of questions, and I sift through them. And my po the podcast host gives me a ton of questions, too. So that's how I practice it. That's good advice. I mean, why not? You, you should be asking your clients about what they want anyway. 
So get them from your clients. Don't make it harder on yourself than you have to be. Okay, good. All right, so we got two drills. All right. Yeah, keep me busy after this. Go practice. <laughs> uh, yeah. The number three, the last drill. It's probably something you've talked about in the past. It's just sending video messages to people that you love. Pick three people you love the most in your life and send them a little 20-second video message. Don't overthink it. Just say, hey, Mitch, I really appreciate having you in my life. Super grateful. Love how accidentally you started this accidental entrepreneur podcast. It's really good. Hope you're having a great day. That's it. And then I'm like, why did Brendan just send me a freaking weird video? Like, what's going on with that? But you know what's great about that? Even if you think it's weird, you'll never forget me. That's Ah, I was going to say that. It's memorable. Yes. I'll tell you something I do super crazy in my business. Okay, I take this to a whole other level. I have a CRM. I top my 100 promoters and clients. So promoters are people who bring me leads and stuff. And I have their birthdays. Sorry, go ahead. Champions for your cause, people that really get it. Yeah, people that get it, who share my free trade with a lot of their friends. So I have their birthdays on my Google Calendar. And on their birthday, I put a stupid birthday hat on that I bought for $10. I open my video and I just go, guess whose birthday it is? It's yours. I hope you're having a great day and I'm really grateful for you. And I'm the only human being that I know of who does that with a stupid birthday hat on. No question about it. Everyone else goes on LinkedIn and says, happy, happy birthday, birthday in a text, in a stupid text. Yeah. No, you don't have to do that. It gives you like the choice. You just click a button. <laughs> now it's like a suggestion, you know? Yeah, but of course. And now, but that's all about not only keeping in touch with your, like staying top of mind, keeping in touch. Now, you know, you're me- it's memorable. And it, it go- yeah, that's smart. I have some on my calendar, not everybody. So I'm going to have to get a stupid hat or something. So there you go. A uh, virtual hat, like we just, It'll pop on your head during the video. Dude, just just buy a hat. It's like ten dollars. You want me to send you one? Are you is, is, is business hard for you? What kind of birthday? Yeah, what kind of birthday hat costs ten dollars? No, but this is not like a cardboard birthday hat because if the cardboard is just gonna, this is like a nice. There's like candles on top of it. Oh, candles! Yeah, it's uh, so the light on fire. Does it have like? No, no, no. It does it. I mean, for ten bucks, I would think things would shoot out. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. All right. So be memorable. That's the lesson there, right? You got it. Be memorable. Okay. And those. So what? And anybody do anything like nutso? Like you met somebody, you're like, oh my God, this guy has like a habit, like I can't even fix. Hmm. <laughs> I want to know, like, what are bad habits of people in when it comes to communication? Besides, like, uh, um, I, oh, you know, with those we know. Anything like. You know, people like, you know, picking their ears or things like that. I I don't know. Are are they? Honestly, the the biggest habit, Mitch, is somebody who's not willing to change, if I'm being honest. So so we'll point out it. Okay, you're speaking too quickly. You're too slow. You're not looking at the camera. But the the chal- the the worst habit is not that because people make mistakes. I, I'm per- sure I've made a bunch of mistakes on this podcast. But it's more about saying like when somebody brings it up, what's your attitude towards it? Is it yeah, I don't care. I already know everything. Well, those people don't aren't very successful. Yeah, well, you have an attitude towards people that just turns other people off. Exactly. Right. All right. So, um, what is like up for you next. Uh, what, what are you doing? What are your plans? How are you growing? How can people connect with you and follow what you're doing? Interact with you. For that sure. type of stuff. For sure, Mitch. So two ways to keep in touch and I'll talk about what's next is okay. number one is Master Talk, the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk. You'll have access. Master Talk with an S? Uh, without an S. So the, the, the reason there's an S in my URLs because I couldn't get Master Talk. Some guy created... 
He didn't trademark Master Lock, thankfully for me. So I have the trademark, okay. but he, he started some random YouTube. That has nothing to do with communication 10 years ago. Yeah, like buy it from him or something? I thought about it, but I was like, is it really worth spending the money? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, no, maybe not. Like I was, I was looking at communication.com because it just got up for sale and it's $800,000. Like, bro, like I don't. Oh. <laughs> well, communication.com would be a lot of money. I'm not surprised. You're right. Yeah. So, so. All right. Uh, the show notes too. Someday I'll figure out how to get like a graphic under your face that shows up and says Master Talk. But I, I don't know how to do that because it's your camera, not mine. I don't have control over it. So we'll figure that out. But okay, so that's one way to get a hold of you. We'll put it in the show notes. Are you on social? Yeah. All kinds of stuff? And Instagram, the, right? Yeah. And then the second way to keep in touch that we bring people to is I do a free workshop for the community on communication that's free over Zoom. We had one today. There was 85 people who showed up today to our free training. Live, live. Yeah, it's Thank live. You. It's live. So okay. I, I do it every two weeks. Now it's gotten pretty big. Now there's like 80, 85 people on that call. Some of them are eight years old. Some of them are really? CEOs of like billion dollar companies. So everyone everyone is different. It's a party. And you can go to rockstarcommunicator.com if you want to jump in on that. And is that an interactive type of thing or are they just really listening to you? No, it's actually interactive. So what we do, it, it might change if I get like 300 people on the call right now. They're, so 85, I could still interact because it's still with yeah. Zoom. So I, I, I get like 10 of them to share. Obviously, we can't get all 85 to share in 90 minutes, but yeah, we get people to, to jump Do little up. kids share at all? Hmm? No, no. The little kids more stay. They keep their camera off and they're just listening with their parent or something. Right. <laughs> That's cool. When did you start doing that? The trainings, the, the free, you know, the free, like uh, twelve live. months ago. Yeah, okay. it's been it's been well. It's been Just good to be able to share and to re- meet, connect with more people. Yeah, it worked really well because one, it made us the most generous communication company in the world because nobody does this in perpetuity and two five percent of them just become clients and they're not they don't come from like a podcast like my clients who are already paying me they refer their buddies to come to that training and then they just go yeah i know you're working with my friend and yeah check it out yeah yeah like test drive type of thing yeah all right. Um, all right. Then you were getting into like what you're doing next and what you got coming up, right? Yeah, I would say next to, to keep it really simple is really just scaling. You know, I've been I've been very fortunate, Mitch, where I made the business work, and now it's really just about how do we bring it to the next level? Scale the social, scale the number of clients, and that's that's the big word for 2023. Let's see how far I get. Now, are you going to grow the business from a personnel standpoint, meaning like? you don't want to be the only person doing the coaching for the rest of your life because then it's all dependent on you. You can't take a break. People need you all the time. So Is something you can teach other people to do. Yeah. So there's, there's different perspectives. This I might do it in, in like five, 10 years, but I would say until we're doing at least two, $3 million a year, it's going to be really easy for me to facilitate all of it because a, I have the energy for it. Just to give you an idea yesterday, I did 10 podcast interviews in a row. Like I'm 10. Yeah. In a How row. Long? An hour each. I'm pretty mental. So my stamina is really high because I'm still in my 20s, right? I was going to say, when you're my age, you won't have stamina like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll bet you. I, I, th- I, th- I think it can match Gary Vee when I'm his age. Yeah. But yeah, right. Yeah. So so for me, it's a little bit different because I really love coaching. And I and the one thing – because this is my talent. So if I work – because it takes me 10 times more effort to sign a client than deliver for it. So there's no way I'm going to delegate delivery to somebody else that I know won't deliver the quality of service I do. Because the word of mouth is what's driving my business, not like 70%. Right, so it's yeah. only after the business has scaled massively where I'm doing like multiple seven – then I will I will delegate to other coaches, and I'll g- generally only pick people who have been through my programs. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 
Tony Robbins does that. You got to go through his program first. Yeah. You, you didn't do any walk on fire with people, right? When you you haven't made people walk over fire or anything like that. No, yeah. but I, I have worked, walked on fire. I did his program. Oh yeah, Tony's great. I learned a lot of. Him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So um, <laughs> so I, I I appreciate coming on, taking the time, and I love your energy, and I'm glad we connected. And I think that, you know, the message today is that, you know, even as a business owner, even as a local entrepreneur, even as a, you know, person who's not on Zoom, that, you know, the way you communicate what you say and how you say it is important, you know, very important. And they don't realize the impact that it has on other people. And why am I not selling? Why am I not closing? Because there's something you're doing, body language, how you speak, what you say, how you do it, that is just hitting people the wrong way, turning them off, I guess, right, is the word. And I guess you help them explore that or at least improve their skills. Absolutely. Like for me, the question has always been as as you scale your business, are your communication skills scaling with the business? That's why I always ask entrepreneurs. And a lot of people, they don't scale their communication skills. So when they're they're doing bigger numbers, their their communication isn't efficient. So when they start delegating to other people, the employee just goes, Huh, what did you say? And it just creates right. a lot of problems. Good advice. Very good advice. Well, Brendan, I can't thank you enough. We've been now doing this for, I don't know, coming on 50 minutes. You probably have another 12 podcasts you have to go on for the rest of the day. I do. You yeah. do. You have, you have another one after? No, it's more. I have, I have one more podcast, and then I have three one-on-one coaching clients. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.